Okay, <clears throat> so before I deliver my talk, I would like to follow the the monastic tradition uh, by inviting the celestial beings to this place to hear this Dhamma. And then I'm going to pay my homage to the Buddha, but this will be done in Pali, the Buddha's language. So with the joint palms. Samantha Chakvalesu Atra Gachantu Devata Sadhamman This wisdom 
is coming to us from the 6th century BCE, 2,600 years ago. Uh, I think this wisdom still has a big impact on our lives in the 21st century. And that is because we are human beings. And as human beings, we all are trying to be happy. I think nobody would deny this. Every single being in this planet is trying to secure happiness. And that's why this uh, statement made by the Buddha in his discourses in Pali we say Sukha Kamani Bhutani All sentient beings desire happiness. It's not just human beings, even the animals. Even when you observe the birds or the little you know, insects, uh, they, they build their own nest, right? their own house. Why? They want to secure their well-being, happiness. So there is a way to achieve this happiness. And I think there could be many ways. <laughs> the purpose of all the spiritual traditions in this planet to bring happiness to the sentient beings. That's the core essence of uh, every spiritual tradition. It's not just Buddhism, even you know, all religions in the West, Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, Islam, or religions in the East, Hinduism, Jainism, Confucianism, Taoism, and all these great teachers are concerned about the well-being of sentient beings. So they came up with a mechanism along with the agenda. They spent years and years sharing their agenda for this happiness. Some people try to become happy or achieve happiness through prayers. Some people try to achieve happiness through an external agency. And some are trying to achieve happiness by looking within. So when we analyze all religions, uh, basically there are two religions that we see. One is what we call salvation through faith. The other is called the liberation through enlightenment. And all religions fall into these two parts. 
either salvation through faith or the liberation through enlightenment. So the Buddhism falls into this category, the liberation through enlightenment. Then if you want to be, become enlightened, Buddha said you have to look within. Awakening enlightenment through happiness all these are possible when you begin to look within. And that's why uh, one great psychologist next to Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, said, those who look outside dream, and those who look within, awake. Have you heard that? Yeah? No? Some? No. So now, it depends on your choice, how you want to have a life. Whether you want to live a life dreaming, or you want to awaken. <laughs> so choice is up to us. Now, of course people like to dream, but again you have to understand what kind of dream you have. For example, Buddha, prior to his enlightenment, also had a dream, a vision, and he followed that dream. The dream led him to become enlightened. But this dream led him to look within. When he focused within, he started looking at himself, then this inner observation led him to gain some experiential knowledge, what we call Panya in Pali, meaning wisdom, insight. In Sanskrit we call Prajna. So we need this wisdom to understand the true nature of existence, to find the meaning of life. Now, if I ask you this question, what's the meaning of life? And you would come up with any meaning. You could have a different meaning for your life. For example, some people find the meaning in having a family. Some people find a meaning in their life by being surrounded with the friends and relatives. 
Some people find meaning by socializing. People have different meanings in life. So now, how is that what you want? What are you looking for? How do you discover the meaning of life for yourself? This is this is a question that you have to ask from yourself all the time. So here's the story for you. One day a man started looking the meaning of life. He wanted to find the meaning of life. He studied all religion and he was told about all the famous gurus and he read the spiritual traditions but he couldn't find the meaning of life yet. Then he started traveling from city to city, from country to country. And as he went to India, he was told that there are rishis. You know, there's a place called Rishikesh in northern India. And there are people who are called rishis, rishis are ascetics, who live in an isolated place, in the deep forest. So then, this man who had a very accomplished life as a business person, who was very rich, well off to do, and he wanted to find the meaning of life with that belief, he went to the Rishikesh. He asked from the people, where are the Rishis? And the people would say, you know, to meet a Rishi, you have to go into the forest. So tell me, give me the direction, show me the path. But then the villagers said, there are no clear paths to finding these rishis. But there are some ways, there are some little trails that you have to go through. So there are no uh, a definite path, but going to this rishikesh, this place, enter the forest, as you go, you will find some trails and follow the trails and there is a famous Rishi we have heard that he has been living there for 150 years but we have never seen him but this is what we heard but we were told that he is the person who knows the real meaning of life now, this man became very curious and he, realized, he thought he came to the right place to find the meaning of life. With that enthusiasm, he entered the forest 
And as he started walking in the forest, he found a train. And he went through that train, and that path, little path, led him to in a very deep, deep, deep place, maybe a little cave with a uh, door, and he was very happy. After many days of hard work, many days of walking in this forest alone, then he eventually he found a place where uh, Rishis seemed to live. So he was happy, and then he opened the door of the cave, and then he saw a Rishi with a long beard, long hair, very old, and then he greeted the Rishi and sat down. And then he asked this question. I have been traveling from country to country, changing from one faith tradition to another. I failed to find the meaning of life. But I was told that I can find the meaning of life in the Rishikesh. When I came here, villagers told me that you are living here for many years. I'm so happy to meet you. So, my question is, what is the meaning of life? The Rishi, who looked very calm and serene, forced to look so knowledgeable and wise, was sipping some tea. And when he asked this question, what is the meaning of life, the Rishi began to laugh. And the man was very upset. You are ridiculing me. I asked you a very serious question, but you started laughing. Could you please tell me the meaning of life? The Rishi, with a gentle voice, answered to the question, My friend, for me, right now, the meaning of my life is sipping the tea. <laughs> and he, the man was very upset. He was surprised. What? The meaning of life is sipping the tea? I spent all these years, all these months and days and hours just to hear this. He said, I'm so sorry, my friend. For me, you asked me a question. Eh? The meaning of life. But for me, meaning of life is sipping the tea. The story ends there. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
What is it? What does it mean? It has deep wisdom. We human beings are trying everything, all kinds of means and mechanisms to find the meaning of life. Sometimes we change our faith tradition. Sometimes we change our gurus, our teachers, thinking this guru is better than that guru. But we have failed to see or find the meaning of life. When you come here, of course, you see some meaning in it. When you come to meditation class, of course, you find some meaning in it. You relax, calm, you're happy, joyful. But is that enough? So what is the meaning of life for you? Right now, the meaning of life for me is just sharing some wisdom with each and every one of you. That's it. I find a true meaning in this. For you, what is the meaning of life? Right now, just by listening to whatever I'm going to say, <laughs> without becoming judgmental, eh? without judging me, without having high expectations, I'm not enlightened yet. None of us enlightened yet. But we all are trying to find the meaning of enlightenment. And that's why we all are here. So this is in line with what Buddha taught us. This is what he wanted to find, the meaning of life. And he gained deep wisdom with respect to the meaning of life. For him, the meaning of life is the freedom from suffering, freedom from dukkha. I think you have heard about that word. Dukkha is a Pali word. Dukkha, which comes from two words. Uh, do means difficult and ka means to bear. So dukkha means something very difficult to bear in mind. In other words, it's the conflict, the constant conflict between the wish and the reality. We have a wish to live in a certain way, but our wish is conflicting with the reality, which is not going against our wishes. Things are changing. And if this, if you don't understand this, this conflict leads to a problem, the problem of existence. That is what we call Dukkha. So the Buddha gained freedom from this problem of existence. <laughs>
Now she gained this wisdom. Now here, today I'm talking about the wisdom and compassion. Now, what is wisdom? And why wisdom? How to develop it? How did Buddha himself develop wisdom? Wisdom with regard to what? And what does Buddha's wisdom indicate to us? Can we develop it? So these are the questions that we have to sleep on now. Now, when we talk about Panya wisdom, we have to also understand the compassion. Uh, prior to his enlightenment, the story goes like, you know, long, long, long time ago. Uh, our present Buddha, when he met another Buddha, Buddha Deepankar, he, his name was Sumedha. Sumedha was an ascetic by then. And when ascetic Sumedha, who is the present Buddha now, saw the Buddha, Deepankara, was very happy. And she gained a prophecy from the Buddha Deepankara that this ascetic Sumedha would become the Buddha in the present era. So he wanted to learn, you know, the path to this liberation, this enlightenment, the way to Buddhahood. And then <clears throat> he developed the wisdom and compassion together. A person who becomes a Buddha is called the Bodhisattva. Bodhi means enlightenment. Sattva means the being. The being of enlightenment or the prospective Buddha. So this prospective Buddha undertakes this journey to enlightenment with this wisdom and compassion. In Pali, we say, Buddhohan Bodhisattva, having become enlightened, I will enlighten others. Muddohan Moche Pari, having become liberated, I will liberate others. Tinnohan Tari Sami, having crossed the, uh, the ocean of Sansara, the cycle of life, I will help all sentient beings cross the ocean of cycle of life. So now, in this saying, we can see both wisdom and compassion.
Now, this is what we have to understand. Why do we need liberation? And why do we have to become enlightened? This is the question that we have to ask. What is wrong with our life? What is wrong with me? Now, if you ask this question, and of course, this question itself will lead to some wisdom for you. As you question yourself, this questioning will unfold some new insights. It will spark some wisdom for you. Now, what is wrong with my life? Now, sometimes people come and ask me, what is Buddhism? Can you explain to me the essence of Buddhism in few words? Then I said, okay, before I explain that, I'm going to ask you just a simple question. So what is the question? Then I say, are you okay? Sometimes they say, yes, we are okay. But no, I'm sorry, I don't mean that. Are you okay right now? Are you okay with your life? Are you okay the way you look? Are you okay the way you present yourself to the society? And of course, when you ask this question from yourself, you would say, yes, uh, sometimes I'm okay. Again, be careful, sometimes. <laughs> that indicates, most of the time, I'm not. <laughs> right? Aha. Uh -huh. Then the Buddha is addressing this fundamental problem. He's just asking every sentient being, Are you okay? Ascetic Sumedha, the present Buddha, then realized this. He asked that question. He said, I have everything. I am rich. I have inherited lots from my parents. But nothing made him happy. And what he did was, he distributed whatever wealth he had to the people in need. And then he adopted an ascetic life, going into the deep forest and started meditating. And that's where he started finding the meaning of life. But before that, 
when he was a lay person living in the society, he thought he was okay with all this enormous wealth he had inherited from his parents. He thought he was okay with the friends and colleagues around. He thought he was okay with all the new fashions he had. But as he began to grow up, he realized something about himself. He's not okay. He seemed to be looking okay, but internally he is not. Something is disturbing. Something is disturbing him. I am trying to stay young, but my youthful life is being threatened by another universal reality, which is we call the orange age. I'm trying to look healthy all the time, physically, emotionally, psychologically. But my health is being threatened by this sickness. I'm trying to exist and live forever, but my life is being threatened by death. He sees people in the neighborhood, people in the nation, are saying goodbye. Then it, it, it started bothering, disturbing him. I have everything in my life that I wanted to. I'm, I have a wonderful relationship. I have everything, the material things, but this thing is not making me happy. So then he wanted to find the true meaning of life. You see how people, the young people, uh, when they are very young, how they develop a kind of uh, fairy tale of life, you know, the dream, like we are okay, you know, when, when you are young, you can jump, you know. It's like, you know, even when you ask a, a little boy, you know, or girl not to jump, what do they do? They jump. <laughs> right? Why? They believe they are strong, they are healthy, they can jump. And they may think parents are old, you know, they cannot do it, but we can do it. But then what happens? As they begin to become matured and grow old, they realize what their parents told them. <laughs> right? So this is what we have to understand. Wisdom is right here now, but we are missing every opportunity of seeing 
and realizing this wisdom in our life. Why? Because we all have become so mesmerized with all these uh, dream-like things around our life. You know, the excitements. What we are looking for is the sensorial excitement. That's why people like to go to the shopping malls, you know, Disney World, uh, whatnot, to Las Vegas, to enjoy the life, to all this place, that place. Right? But can you do that every day in your life? You pretend to, that you could, but as you you know, go towards the another reality of life. It could be death, it could be old age, it could be sickness. You know, then you realize that something is missing in my life. You know, I love going to the uh, the senior citizens' homes in, in, in Toronto. I, I, I do that more often. I take my Sunday school children to entertain the seniors. You know, it's a kind of lovely place for me. It may not be a lovely place for those seniors. You know. But when I go there, I, I gain some wisdom about life. I always tell myself, one day, I could end up here. I talk to them. You know how they say things, although they are living there in the senior homes, their memories go back to their childhood. Their memories go back to uh, when they were young, how they traveled, how they enjoyed their life. Now, they are dreaming to have the same life at this age. When you talk to them, this is what they say. They are talking about the past experiences with an expectation of enjoying it again now, but they cannot. And that makes them their life kind of emotionally painful. See, that's the wish. They wish to have it, but they cannot. And when you talk to them, you, you get this wisdom. This is also what Buddha, prior to his enlightenment, realized as a young prince. He one day, he was going to the pleasure garden and he saw an old person. He asked his uh, friend Channa, said, Channa, who is that? Channa explained, Siddhartha, that's an old man, old person. What do you mean? Channa said, Siddhartha, he was like us. When he was young like us, 
But now he's he's old. He must be at 70s or 80s. So he cannot walk even straight. He needs a walking stick to support him to walk. And he lost his teeth, and his hair are grey, and you can see the wrinkles in his face, in his body, and he's not like us. He lost this true benefit of youthfulness. Then Siddhartha asked a very important question, Channa. Am I subject to aging? Chanda said, Siddhartha, if anybody is born, he or she has to grow old. Then Siddhartha thought, so I was born, you are born, so does it mean both of us going to be looking like that? <laughs> Chanda said reluctantly, I'm sorry, Siddhartha, that's a reality. What can I do? Then Prince Siddhartha, the Buddha, started doing some inner contemplation. Look, I'm a prince, I have everything. I have three palaces for three different seasons. If I am subject to this old age, what is the what is the purpose of having all these material things in my life? I want something beyond this. He he stopped going to the pleasure garden, came back to the palace. Following day, he was going to the pleasure garden, he saw a sick person. Third day he saw a, a dead body being carried to the cemetery by four people. All these times, he was asking the same questions and he got the same answers. Then he realized, oh my goodness, I'm subject to aging, I'm subject to sickness, I'm subject to death. As he was reflecting on this, this reflection led him to gain a prospective deep wisdom. He developed a hypothesis. He developed a very strong dissertation, the thesis. What is it? He was Contemplating. If there is sickness, there should be no sickness. If there is aging, there should be no aging. If there is death, there should be no death. If there is suffering, there should be no suffering. But he didn't know the way to this. That's the beauty of this hypothesis, this 
dissertation, this thesis. Not knowing. If you know, you won't look for. But you have this great wisdom now. Now you in a task is to realize it, to find it. With this wisdom, you know, he renounced the world. He adopted a simple life. Why? Because he saw another person who looked like a monk, an ascetic, what we call sannyasi. The sannyasi looked very calm, and serene, very happy and peaceful. Prince Siddhartha went to him and said, Sir, you look so happy. You look so calm and serene. But look at me. I'm a prince. I don't look happy. You're not wearing the costumes like us. Look, we are princes. We have costumes, but we are still not happy. You just have this simple, the monastic costume. You're like a sannyasi, but you look so happy. So what are you searching? The sannyasi said, My friend, I was an accomplished business person. I was rich. I was married to some women. I had children. Nothing made me happy. So I renounced the world. Now I'm searching the way to happiness. And Prince Siddhartha thought, this is what I should be doing. And then he also renounced the world and adopted a very simple life. See, in this story, it tells us something about deep wisdom of the Buddha. Now, to understand the nature of existence, we all need to have both wisdom and compassion. These two go hand in hand. You need wisdom to have compassion. You also need to have compassion with wisdom. You need to have you need to feel compassion for yourself. If you're not compassionate enough, you cannot liberate yourself from all these attachments. You cannot liberate yourself from sufferings and pains. So to get this wisdom, you have to look within. You have to ask this question, am I okay? You may say, yes, I'm okay, sometimes, but most of the time, I'm not. But we human beings are satisfied with this temporary okay. That's it. So then, in Buddha's teaching, we see why he renounced the world, why he developed his wisdom and compassion. 
he realized that the cycle of life is characterized with these universal problems. Universal realities. It doesn't really matter wherever we live, whatever we do, or whatever we have. We have to keep in mind that as sentient beings, we all are facing these universal problems. Now, this suffering, aging, sickness or death, these are not Buddha's problems. These are not Indian problems. These are not American problems. These are the problems of the humanity. We all are trying to exist permanently, but it's not happening. We are trying to exist with happiness, but we cannot. So how can we get this? So then, you can try everything, doing everything. And that's why, to find the meaning to uh, get away from the, you know, the life's problems, you see how people go to other places. You know, they go to parties, let's party, let's go socialize, let's go to nightclubs, dance clubs. You know, life is too short, let's enjoy it like that, this way. And of course it's okay, Buddha is not saying that you should not be doing it. But do you find the true meaning in these places? You may, but if you become honest to yourself, you don't see any meaning. So then if you want to find the meaning of life, you need to, you know, be compassionate to yourself. You need to be uh, kind and gentle to yourself. You need to liberate yourself from all these emotional pains and sufferings. Now to do this, you see, this is what Buddha realized. As a Buddha, and after having meditated for six years, you know, he, will, he gained this wisdom by doing the Anapanasati, the breathing meditation. And he brought his mind into such a state that sparked a deep wisdom and compassion. Then, <clears throat> after having become enlightened, he started sharing his discovery, his teachings, with the people, if, you know, by traveling from kingdom to kingdom, from village to village. And there's a <clears throat> saying of the Buddha, we see this saying, uh, this statement in some sutras, some discourses of the Buddha. Uh, it says, uh, so months, the safe and good path that leads to happiness has been reopened by me. The wrong path has been closed off, the decoy removed, the dummy destroyed. 
What should be done for his disciples out of compassion by a teacher who seeks their welfare and has compassion for them that I have done for you for months? There are these roots of trees, these empty hearts. Meditate, monks. Do not delay or else you will regret it later. This is our instruction to you. So in this statement we see, you know, the Buddha's true compassion for these sentient beings. You have to do this practice, the meditation, living a meaningful life while you are young, not while you are old. Why? At old age, you cannot sit like this. <laughs> right? Is that how people see, you know, when you sit like this, it hurts, you know, you get their back pain, your legs hurt, you cannot spend hours and hours. While you are truly young, use that young, youthful energy. In, in this practice, to practice a very meaningful life. It depends on what you want, what kind of lifestyle you want. It's like, you know, sometimes we get derailed from our purpose due to other external circumstances. It's also like, you know, sometimes <clears throat> I remember in my first university, uh, of course I go to university, it was in 1996. Uh, <clears throat> when I went there, of course people looked at me, and of course I, to them, to their eyes, I was like an alien. You know, I don't look like them. I'm wearing a monastic costume like this. So, but, you know, I made friends. And one day, we were having some tea in the cafeteria. And a friend asked me, out of curiosity maybe, this question. Bhante, every day we see you in, with the same costume, same color. Don't you have any other clothes? <laughs> But I was very young too then. But this question bugged me though. It disturbed me a bit. I also started thinking, what am I doing here? You know, you have gone to university, the how, the life in the university. <laughs> all kinds of things are there. And I'm, I'm surrounded with all these beautiful girls and other people. And there I see people in you know, different costumes, very colorful costumes. And so when they asked me that question, I started asking me, what am I doing here? With that, I went back to my temple. I laid down. And I was thinking of this conversation. And all of a sudden, 
And of course, I have got this spark in my mind, this spark of wisdom and knowledge. Hey, I'm wearing this costume with a unique purpose, the objective. I have a vision. And of course, the vision, the objective is when we monks ask for ordination from our teachers, we express our goal. Our objective is to gain liberation from suffering and to realize nirvana. Nirvana, freedom from suffering. Please ordain. So then we are we have adopted this simple life with this unique <coughs> wisdom, the purpose. Our goal is to liberate ourselves from all forms of sufferings. And then this is the lifestyle which helps us practicing detachment is not to say that we don't have the privilege to enjoy the life you are enjoying. We do have that freedom. We can go to the movies, we can party, we can socialize, we can hang around with you know, anybody we want. <coughs> but is that the meaning of our life? But then when I was reflecting on this, I gained this uh, huge strength. With that strength, I went back to the university the following day and I talked to my friends. You know what? You asked me a very important question. It disturbed me though. But now I have uh, an answer for it. He said, what is it? Said, Look, I have a meaning of in my life. You know? But do you have a meaning for yourself in what you're doing right now? Then of course I said, look, with this costume, I don't have to worry about the new clothes, new fashion, I don't have to worry about money, I don't have to worry about, you know, all these makeups and things. <laughs> right? But I'm very simple, I'm, I'm content, I'm satisfied with what I have. When I said that, you know, they started thinking, oh my goodness, we have never thought about ourselves like in, in this way. But what you are saying, you know, it has some deep wisdom. Then after that, they started respecting me. Even some of them started coming to my weekly meditation classes. So anyways, so like that, so the life, the cycle of life is characterized with, you know, all forms of trouble, some things. So we need wisdom to liberate. First we need, we need wisdom to see the things as they really are. To see the true nature of existence. And then we need to have compassion for ourselves to get out of it. Get out of this, this illusion, this dream-like thing 
that we tend to think is the real thing. Right? So then, what would the, the Buddha's great wisdom and his great compassion was? Now he saw this problem. If you don't see the problem, you cannot get out of it. First, you need to see. Now his great and deep wisdom was about this, what we call the Four Noble Truths. The truth of suffering. It's not that you're suffering or my suffering, but suffering is. He said, there is suffering. You may not like it. You may think it's so pessimistic. It doesn't really matter how you think though. But all I see that there is suffering. Suffering is. And then he said, I have realized that suffering. There is suffering. And then I know there is suffering. And then I have realized the suffering. I have seen the problem of existence as it is. And that's why he said, there is suffering. Although he made that statement in the, in the 6th century BCE, 2600 years ago, that statement is still so valid in the 21st century. Although we have advanced technology, although we have all these uh, exciting things around us, but we, we are not happy all the time. You know how people from other countries dream to come to the to USA? They think this is the heaven. This is the kingdom of God. This is the true <laughs> celestial existence. And after having migrated to this country, what do they experience? You go and ask all the immigrants. Right? It's when you watch a TV, when you watch a Hollywood movie, when you see people driving the Ferraris and all these, you know, uh, Benz, BMWs and having fun, they think, wow, this is the real the divine world, you know, this is, this is our dream. With that dream they come here. And of course there is such an aspect of life in this country, in every country. It's not like here in the States. In every country we have it. But although we all have all these things, but we don't seem to be looking okay all the time. So what Buddha said in the 6th century BCE is still so true. Every person, when you, if you speak to a, a, a Hollywood or Bollywood actor or actress, what do they tell the world? They are not happy. They are not happy. So that's why they are seeking the spirituality. 
they, they are looking for the meaning of life now. <coughs> so anyway, so with this, then the Buddha said, there is uh, his wisdom, you know, realized another aspect of this suffering. So there is a cause, there is a root cause of it. The root cause is our wish. Our wish to see things permanently. That is the problem. That's the root cause. I want things to last for me forever. It's like how, you know, I want my body to be looking like young all the time. I want to live like a young teenage boy or girl all the time. But is it happening? No. So when you try to make the things which are impermanent as permanent, that's where this inner struggle comes into play. But if you can just allow yourself to go along with this constant change, there won't be any problem. But we don't like to see the change. We want to be permanent. But then, Buddha's wisdom regarding another aspect of this, but there is a liberation, there is a healing. Then if you want this healing, this freedom from this problem of existence, then here is the path that you have to follow. The path is what we call in Buddhist teachings, Noble Eightfold Path. When we summarize this Noble Eightfold Path, it is the three practices. Morality, meditation, and wisdom. Morality is all about a good behavior. We are practicing certain principles to cultivate a good behavior, physically, verbally. Then we need to meditate to cultivate our mind, to make it stable and clear, and to liberate our mind from all defilements, mental corruptions. And once we develop this stable and clear mind, and that mind helps us gain in gaining wisdom. Once we gain wisdom, we see that everything is impermanent. What is there is just impermanence, nothing else. Everything is changing. But whatever things are impermanent, they are subject to pain. And if things are painful, if things are impermanent, they, we cannot personalize them. We cannot take them as me or part of me, myself and mine. So then, this deep wisdom tells us, and let go. Let go whatever is impermanent. Let go whatever is disturbing you. 
It is the ultimate letting go that brings you healing. Liberation, freedom from all sufferings and pains. It's like, you know, how when you went to kindergarten, your kindergarten teachers taught you a wonderful nursery rhyme. I, in fact, you were taught many kindergarten songs. But one of them is Row, row, row the boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Kindergarten teachers taught, taught us the right thing right at the beginning of our life. But they failed to explain the true meaning of this Nazirai. <laughs> That's why we are still going after dreams. Now what does it tell you? Remember, you have to row the boat of life. How? Gently, compassionately, with this wisdom that life, you know, life is but a dream. Life is impermanent. Don't hang on to anything. If you fall down, get up. Make an effort, get up and move on. This is the function of wisdom. And you have to do this out of love and compassion for yourself. So this is what Buddha taught us. And this is why summarizing the whole essence of the Buddha's teachings, Ajahn Chah, one of the known and celebrated enlightened monks of Thailand taught his disciples this essence. He said, if you let go a little, you will have little peace. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of peace. And if you can let go completely, then your struggle with the world will come to an end. My dear friends, with this wisdom and insight, I'm going to stop <laughs> my talk now. I have so much to talk about, but I will stop. So, uh, but before that, I can have just a few minutes. Do you have any question? Any? Yes. Yes, from the way you're speaking then, I'm, I'm gathering that uh, you don't feel that suffering can have any benefits or usefulness for mankind at all. Is that correct? No, the suffering can, once you understand it, it will lead to you know, liberation, freedom from it. That's what I try to explain. So you could still suffer, but be liberated from it. Suffer in the sense that it's not that you suffer, but the suffering is there. But it's affecting you. So then, if it is affecting you, knowing that, 
you have to do something to overcome it, transform suffering into liberation. Do you get it? No. <laughs> so th there is this problem. It's not that your problem or my problem. The problem of suffering. And and this problem of suffering is impacting our life. Right? Now, do you get it? It's impacting our life. Now, it depends on how is it impacting us, in what way. Physically, it's impacting us. Emotionally, it's impacting us. Psychologically, it's impacting us. Do you get it? Okay. Now, if you know that it's impacting us in this way, then what do you have to do? You don't like suffering impacting you. Then what do you want to do? Accept it. Accept it and then understand this is the nature of life. Right? Now, you have a choice. Now, what is the choice? Do I have to live with this problem of suffering? And do I want to? Or do I, do I want to find freedom from it. Now choice is up to you and me. Up to us. Buddha is not saying that you know you have to live with it. But again if you decide to live with it that is your choice. So you say it's option. Huh? You say it's option. It's, a, it's an option. Yeah. Yeah. Then the wisdom, if you have the wisdom, my, my point is about the wisdom. Now, do you see the problem of suffering as it is? If you see it, then what do you seek? If you, if you have a problem, Instant, you look for a solution. Right? Now, why are you looking for a solution? Because you know that this problem is making your life miserable. Right? So, the wisdom liberates you. At the same time, Wisdom leads to compassion. You become compassionate. You have so much compassion for yourself. Now I want to get out of this. Then you seek, you, you 
for, for knowing the solution, then you do the practice. The practice is, as Buddha taught us, morality, the practice of morality, practice of meditation, and the development of wisdom. <coughs> do you get it now? Little bit. Ah, that's good, at least. <laughs> a little, right? And this little wisdom will become a big wisdom later. <laughs> yeah. Towards the beginning of the talk, you said there were two things that you could meditate on and much wisdom would come from them. Could you, re could you repeat those? I just forgot. What is it that you, you said? Um, I don't remember. It was about halfway through your talk, you said something that thinking about these two things, there were many answers that came from. It. I was like, oh, I must think about those things. I forgot. What they were. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I talked about so many things. I know. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll find them eventually. <laughs> sure. Eventually you will get there. Yes, I will. Thank you. Oh, it's almost seven. I don't want to keep you for that long. Eh? So. Uh, thank you for coming to the talk. So before I wind this up, I'm going to do a little blessings chanting uh, to bless all of you. Uh, so please uh, listen to this blessings chanting with the joint palms. <laughs> Happiness, the bliss of Nirvana.